You're listening to the Look Right Naked podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look right naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey, do you want to go from gut to abs? If so, you are in the right place. I'm Eric Bach, your host of the Look Right Naked podcast. I got my good friend here, Jay Jackson, with me. We are down in Houston at a business event, and we want to bring to you just a banging podcast full of everything that you need to know to look great naked without living in the gym. Now, here's the funny part about this, right? Just about about six years ago yeah. is when we uh, we first linked up, and I was in Toronto, Canada at another business event hosted by the same person, Vince Omani, hosting this event in Houston, Texas. Now, that trip was an absolute absolute nightmare. An absolute nightmare. My first flight got canceled. Mm. My bags got sent to the wrong airport in Toronto. There's two. Shit. And I had like a 36-hour turnaround before I was supposed to go to Austin, Texas for a wedding and then Las Vegas yeah, with my lot, wife. Right? Shit going on. And coming full circle with this, right? One, we're traveling right now. So we had, had a little bit of fun yesterday. We'll talk about a few of those things. Um, but now we're at a business event. And so this kind of comes full circle in a way that one, we're traveling. We know that you often travel and that can be a huge battle when it comes to building your best body. But our friendship really comes from the world of of coaching and of mentorship. And that's been a really, really cool experience because, you know, it's like now we're hanging out in Houston. We got Airbnb a couple blocks away from the hotel. Uh, Before we've been hanging out in Atlanta when I lived in Georgia, you know, we would go out and have some, uh, have some good times. A lot of stories. A lot of stories. (laughs) Save some of those for another time. We'll get a couple now. Um, But now here we are down in Houston. So dude, let's just kind of jump right in. And, you know, as a coach, you know, what got you involved in in becoming a coach, jumping into the fitness industry? Mm. Good question, man. Well, it, it really starts back when, um, you know, I played football. You know, one of my biggest things was I was one of those kids that I always wanted to make my, my pops proud. Yeah. You know, and um, I moved my pops when I was around about 12, 13 years old. And I found myself like working out all the time, bro. Yeah. You know, I'm working out at like, you know, 12, 12, uh, 1230 uh, midnight, you know. Yeah. And my pops is like sitting in the corner in a chair just watching me do little football drills and hurdle drills and stuff like that. And so, you know, over the next couple of years of just working out day in and day out, you know, with the ambition of going to the NFL, you know, yeah. making my pops proud. Um, I just developed a passion for working out along that journey, you know. And when I got to college, went to Georgia State University, walked on and played football. And, um, you know, about two years in, I found myself really just not seeing myself going in the direction of playing in the NFL anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I stepped away from football, you know, was crushed. And I basically had to reinvent myself, bro. I, yeah. I think a lot of guys tend to go through that pain of, you know, that's like our first dream with, with sports. For sure. Whether it's yeah. football, baseball, whatever it is. And um, I, I hit that that point in my life where I kind of felt like a failure and uh, felt like I let a lot of people down, felt like I let myself down. And um, from there, I was like, man, I got to I got to pick myself up, you know, for sure. And, and I got to pivot. I got to like I can't sit here in this pain and misery. And that's when I turned to fitness. And I just went all in, man. Yeah, man. Start helping people. I love that. And, you know, we share a similar story in regards to, you know, falling in love with the game. And and that's really what pushed us to to train. And, you know, my dad and my like my relationship, very similar in regard to, you know, training him, always like like being there for the support, you know, and and trying to get better at sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, not having that ultimate dream of, you know, playing the NFL really manifest. But you bring up something that's really interesting. And it's that especially with men, I notice this with women, too, but particularly people who have been in really good shape at some point whether they're an athlete or not, what happens is 
you go to this point where you've been in such good shape and achieving success in that sport is no longer the primary thing that's driving you. Again, it's almost like the death of that first dream. And after the death of that first dream, what can happen is, one, if we don't change some of the things that we're doing and how we prepare, it's not necessarily going to lead us to where we want to be. But mentally, we have so much of our energy attached to how we look, feel, and perform in that moment. And for many people, what happens is, they never find the right way to adjust their training, their nutrition, their mindset, yet they hold on to that piece of the identity, right? So it's like you get guys who are 35, 40 comparing like, well, you know, back when I was 22, I could do this. I could feel like this. And there's an inadequate feeling because as an athlete and just in general, we have a tendency to compare ourselves to when we were at our peak. Mm -hmm. But what we don't do is make adjustments to our training and to our mindset to realize that when all the circumstances and everything else in life change and our body gets more mileage and all these different components that we need to make adjustments in how we do everything. Right. Right. And so then there's this incongruency of like, you feel like you're letting yourself down because you're no longer at your peak. Right. But you don't quite know what tools, tactics, strategies to apply at the right time. Um, Right. So like, let's, let's move forward a little bit because you stepped on stage, you know, you competed, Yep. You know, tell us a little bit about that and a few lessons that you learned <laughs> right. uh, on stage. Cool. Well, man, I, I actually I actually kind of got into personal, well, not personal training, but I got into doing the bodybuilding thing because I had already been personal training. And, uh, you know, I knew enough from going to college on how to help guys, you know, slim down, yeah. you know, get in shape. But at the time, I had some clients that were kind of like, they say, hey, man, I'm, I lost the weight, but I still got this little belly fat right yeah. here, man. Uh, what do I need that to do? That little belly fat, like little mashed potatoes. Like, there you go, by, yeah. man. Like the, the damn tire around their waist. <laughs> like, how do I get rid of this damn tire, though? Jay, I haven't lost some weight, but... Ah, I still don't feel good taking my shirt off yet. And um, I didn't know exactly what steps to take as, as a trainer. Yeah. You know, I, and I, at that point, all I thought was like, man, we just need to do more abs and cardio, you know? Yeah. And uh, you and I both know now that that's, that's the wrong thing. To do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I, I started having quite a few clients running into that issue. I yep. helped them lose weight and it was like I just couldn't help them finish. You know, I got them started, but I couldn't help them finish to get the result they really wanted. And uh, it kind of started making me, um, you know, feel bad, like questioning myself. Like, am I really the guy who I say I am? Can I really promise these big goals? And, you know, can I deliver? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, at that time, I I couldn't. And so I went ahead and hired me a coach, a a bodybuilding coach, and um, stepped on stage. But when I hired the coach, I wanted to learn the steps on how to get shredded. Yeah. Because when I thought about it, I said, okay, who, who are the people who know how to get super ripped and shredded? And, yeah. And that's when I started bodybuilding. Body yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I just need to hire me a coach, figure out what these guys are doing and uh, apply it to my, my coaching with my clients. Yeah, definitely. And um, after two bodybuilding competitions, I learned so much. You know, a lot of mistakes that I was making personally, as far as like nutrition and exercise and, um, you know, a lot of like misconceptions in the fitness industry. Like people think that you got to give up carbs to get shredded. Yeah. You know, and that was something that I thought to a certain extent. And I was just like, as I was prepping for my shows, my coach allowed me to eat carbs every day. Yeah. But this is great. Yeah. I'm like, you feel a lot better, by the way, when you cut. Yes. And you actually have carbs because your body can't recover from that type of training man. anyway if you're always zero carb. Yeah, that's real. And I, I started thinking to myself, man, I'm eating carbs every day, but my body's getting leaner week to week. And when, when, that's, when, I, when that aha moment happened, yeah. I'm like, man, everything I thought was right was wrong. 
<laughs> and that's just one example. And so after I got done doing my second bodybuilding show, you know, I kind of hung it up because of the amount of time that it required to be in the gym. Yeah. You know, I was in the gym like two, three hours. By the time I walked out the gym, I forgot where my car was at. <laughs> I'm like, man, what are I even parking? I'm, I'm chirping the little, you know, car. <laughs> Trying to get the alarm going off. Right, right. Yeah. I'm like, where are you? <laughs> and um, that that was the reason that made me get into bodybuilding was because I wanted to help my clients. Yeah. And um, and then I also just wanted to push. I wanted to see how far I could take my physique, too. You know, I, I was in shape, but I never had been shredded, shredded. Yeah. You know, there's a difference in like being like athlete lean versus like shredded. It's a different yeah. component. And that's where a lot of people who are athletes like struggle. Yeah. Right. They stick with the same exact workout programs. Yeah. And there are same principles that you can take and you can apply yep. some explosive training, you know, progressive overload with big compound lifts, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like getting nutrition and getting synergy between all these components is really like what the higher level physique stuff yep. really requires. 100%. And, um, you know, something you know, a couple of things that really stood out to me, you know, with what you're just telling me was, mm-hmm. you know, one, you didn't know what to do. True. So you didn't just spin your wheels, like reading more articles and, and shit and just like trying to figure out like, what should I do? Like, I'm going to go hire somebody else who's got a proven track record of doing this thing. Yep. And it, it, again, it's funny because, you know, we're here actually improving our business and different aspects with coaching right now. And every single person in that room, I mean, there are people with $200 million businesses in that room. Yes. They've got coaches. That's true. Right. So it's just like, huh. And I know, like, I was, not, I don't even mean to turn this whole aspect into being about coaching, but it's like yeah. sometimes you can accelerate your learning curve just by like letting your ego go back a little bit and, be, and being receptive and open to that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondarily, you mentioned it was taking so much, so much time in the gym, two or three hours for these workouts, right? So, what are maybe two principles in the gym when it comes to losing body fat that you could distill down that you apply with your clients now? Mm-hmm. Because I know similar to me, like a lot of your clients are incredibly busy. You know, they're in and out of the gym in, in under an hour, a couple of days a week. Yeah. Like, so what are like two primary training things that you emphasize mm-hmm. when it comes to losing body fat, losing that gut? Mm, that's a good one, man. So a lot of people, one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of guys make is they think that they, that it's all about the workouts. Yeah. They think, man, if I could just get in the gym, Jake, can you just give me this game plan, baby? Can you just, I just need something to do so I can have some structure. Yeah. But they don't realize the nutrition does the heavy lifting for us. And so that's where I always have guys start, you know, dial in your nutrition, get the fundamentals down pat, you know, knowing your calories, knowing your protein. And one of the unique things that I use is called cyclical fasting. Yeah. And so um, I don't know if you want to go into detail on that now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into cyclical fasting. Yeah. Yeah. And so fasting, you know, there's a lot of different methods out there. You got the the five, two fast, the old mad fast, like the one meal a day fast. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, like 72 hour fast, like oh, water man. fast. Like, nah, there's just no way. I, <laughs> no, I like Chipotle too much. There you go. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what that? <laughs> no doubt. And so, um, what I do is the, like the traditional, uh, 16, eight fast, yep. but I call it like the, the sliding window because we, you, you can fast for 16 hours, but then some days like, I don't really care to fast that long. You know, I'll just fast for like 14 hours. And so it's more like flexible, but it just gives you structure. Like some people look at fasting like a magic bullet. Like, Hey, you do this, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. But if you overeat on bullshit during that feeding window, you still won't lose the weight. Yeah. You know very true. And so the fasting part of it, there's a lot of health benefits behind it, but mainly people who want to drop body fat, it gives a structure, you know, on when to eat and when to stop eating. Because some people, 
I find they eat throughout the entire day and it's easy to lose sight on how much they're actually eating and they never drop weight. And like, man, I'm doing the fasting, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm eating healthy, but I'm still not dropping the weight. And when they start fasting, they become more self-conscious of when they're eating and what they're eating. You know what I mean? And so that's the fasting element of cyclical fasting. And then the cyclical part of it is carb cycling. And yeah. so we cycle um, the amount of carbs that we tend to eat on certain days. And so here's the way I break it down. It's like, I learned this from like a lot of my buddies who grew up playing sports with me. When we stop playing sports, a lot of guys tend to start gaining weight. Definitely. And the reason they start gaining weight is because the way that they were eating when they would work out is the same way they're still eating when they're not playing sports anymore. And so they, you go from eating four or 5,000 calories a day, playing football and running track and stuff, and now you're not playing sports anymore, still eating the same amount. Let's play Madden. <laughs> just playing Madden <laughs> and going to work and sitting in a chair all day, you know, and they blow up. And so it's like they don't need to eat as much because their their activity, their, their level of activity and exercise is very minimal now, right? And so what we use cyclical fasting as, like the, the carb cycling element, the days that we work out, we tend to eat more because our activity level is higher. But on the days where we're not working out, we don't need to eat as much because our activity level is low. And so it's like energy management, but in a way where we can still drop body fat while still eating good food at the same time. Yeah. So to kind of like come full circle with it, the cyclical aspect is on days of your training, calories and carbohydrates are higher to support that activity level. And then as a result, because after you train, your muscles are working like a sponge. We can store those carbohydrates directly into our muscles instead of, you know, lower belly fat, all that fun stuff. There you go. And then on the flip side, when we got the fasting component that helps I find that it really helps people reduce decision fatigue around food. Oh, yeah. And it helps them, particularly people who are busy, when you have fewer decisions around food, you can stay more disciplined, right? Because yeah. your ability to make decisions, we've all been there. You get to yeah. the end of the day. Yesterday, we both traveled you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, you've been making decisions all day. You've been in traffic. You've been like checking into you know, Airbnbs and all this. That's so true. Your willpower to make great decisions goes down. And so if we can reduce the number of decisions that people have to make, it's yeah. such a simple way to be more compliant, to actually stick with the programs that mm-hmm. you know we're trying to follow to, to build that best body. So let's pivot now a little bit, right? Um, a lot of your clients travel. Yes. We travel. Uh, we, we traveled yesterday. Yesterday yep. was my birthday, so we went out and had a little bit of fun. But like, let's just talk. When you're traveling, what are a couple of nutrition strategies that you personally stick to? Because, dude, you look like you could line up either on a bodybuilding show right now or throw on some pads and walk out. For the NFL draft going on. <laughs> I should step out right now. Yeah. <laughs> just jump on stage. I don't know, man. We had quite a few drinks last night. Yeah, and uh, cheeseburgers, by the way. <laughs> yes. But uh, few and far between. Right, right. So uh, a couple of things. Uh, simplicity. Like everything in my life, I focus on condensing it down to where it's simple. Like if it's too many pieces moving around, I'm probably not going to stick with it because it's going to be hard to sustain. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in terms of, you know, when I'm traveling, instead of eating, you know, three, four, five meals where I have, you know, three big meals and maybe two protein shakes or a protein bar or something like that. Yeah. I eat less. And so I'll eat maybe two to three bigger meals. Yeah. And so, 
And then if I do eat three, it's like a very light meal, maybe like some egg whites and some vegetables. And then my other two meals throughout the day, like definitely when I hit the airplane, because I told you after I got off that airplane, you yeah, game over. Pizza, you know, <laughs> it was over. Instead of eating a big medium piece or a large piece, I just had a personal pan, you know, because I think traveling tends to be a bit stressful on us. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. You're kind of waiting on the airplane. You're hoping that you're going to get to where you need to be at on time. You know, it's just so many different moves moving pieces. You got to get through to check in and t- with TSA and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> and so it's like, geez, you know, and I think these are like things that we don't necessarily think about, but our body and our mind are kind of going through them. And body so, keeps score. Our body keeps score. Exactly. And so, you know, we just, my thing is reducing the, uh, the different things that we have to focus on. Like how you were talking about decision fatigue. Yeah. If you have to eat five meals, you got to focus on eating five meals or six meals while you're traveling. That's a lot to think about. Where you go get all these meals at? Yeah, and what are you traveling for? Like, if you're for business, yeah. if you're wrangling kids through the airport, yeah. Like, again, simplify your decision making process. Yeah. When you reduce the number of decisions you have to make, it becomes easier to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's one issue with complicated training programs, with complicated diet strategies that simply yeah. aren't applicable. Right? You can have the mm-hmm. best plan in the world that has the most formulaic, scientifically backed and reinforced mm-hmm. research. Yep. But if you can't apply that shit consistently, all it's going to do is overwhelm you, right? There's this complete, you know, overemphasis on all these things being perfect in the fitness industry because there's so much information and people get so overwhelmed because they're like, what can I do? I just saw this thing and it had all these research studies that said this is the best way to eat. And then I found this training philosophy that said I'm going to burn 30% more calories according to my Apple watch. Right. Like the Apple watch is off like 25%, (laughs) but you know, that's another story. And so when we can reduce decisions specifically around nutrition with things like cyclical fasting, specifically around travel, reduce the number of decisions you need to make by reducing the number of meals that you're consuming, mm-hmm. right? Those are very simple, straightforward, practical ways to mm-hmm. stay in great shape across the board. There you go. Now, so we went out last night, you know, celebrating a little bit, you know, a little bit off track with diet nutrition. But I think one of the most important things with travel is during the week, I can't speak about you right now, but like I was dialed in all week. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. then it's like when we want to go out and be able to have a good time, it's, it's that one time and now we're back on track today. And so it's about, this is an old football analogy, right? As a defensive back, you're always on an Island. You make one bad play. You got to forget about it. You got to go right back to making the next one. I like that, Right. Yeah. And diet is the same way where a lot of people will make one decision and then they kind of, for lack of a better term, say, fuck it. And then it's off the rails, right? Yep. Instead, you just got to think, just make the next best decision that you can. And you yep. make that next best decision. Then you're going to go right back on track. And so like, yeah, we had burgers, we had a couple drinks, but even there, we kept the drinks low sugar. Yeah. Super minimal too, man. Yeah. Didn't eat all of the fries in out today. I, I did. Yeah, you did. You did. And then keep uh, it real. Keep it real. Hey, gotta keep it real. And then this morning though it was like cool. Some coffees. We just grabbed like a quick little breakfast sandwich over at a Starbucks. at Starbucks, and then we just ordered some you know Chipotle bowls. Like something very simple, very straightforward, very similar to what we would eat if we were back home. Yeah, you know. And another thing with that is um, convenience. Like sometimes, like we're we're at an Airbnb right now, and outside of convenience, I'm, convenience is one thing. I'm getting ready to talk about that in a second, but also. You know, having an Airbnb, it gives us, you know, the freedom to even be able to cook at the at the crib, you know, at you know, while we're traveling. 
instead of having to, you know, uh, go somewhere and eat meals. And then the part of the convenience is this, before you even travel, I already have an idea on what, where we're going to eat at, you know, or if we're not going to be going out to eat, well, is the area that I'm going to be traveling in, do they allow like Uber Eats? Because I know certain places they might yeah. not even have Uber Or Instacart. Like or I have Instacart. a lot of my clients use go. Instacart. I'm like, just order the same food mm-hmm. that you would at home if you're an Airbnb and then yep. you can stay on track. There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or stay 80% on track and then go out and enjoy your dinner and have a couple of cocktails. Like, yeah. you know, you got to be able to live a little bit too. So yep. we say look great naked without living in the gym. You know, that's, yep. that's what it is. So 80-20 rule. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So man, kind of knowing where you're at right now, what piece of advice would you give yourself if you could look back at Jay Jackson at 21 years old, no longer mm-hmm. really pushing for the NFL, but trying to look, feel, and perform your best. And I want you to think about this in two ways. First, what would be like a concrete piece of fitness advice? But secondarily, what would be a piece of lifestyle advice, perspective, something that you've gained through your years as a coach and just being a grown-ass man? Mm, That's good. I like that. Great question. Um, The first one would be uh, running your own race. And so I think so many times, definitely with social media nowadays, you know, people, you know, you get on Instagram and you're like, man, I want to look like that guy right there. I want to look like Eric Bach, man. How do I get those ass? How do I get that shoulder vein? <laughs> you know, and you know, sometimes people, instead of using that as inspiration, they look at it as like, oh man, I don't think I could ever get there. I'll never look like that. You know, and um, instead of that, use that as fuel, you know, use that as inspiration. And so that way you you can motivate you, you're actually pushing towards something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in the same way, that's inspiring you, but you also want to look at how can I become my best self, you know, running my own race, using those other people's results as inspiration. But what's going to be the best that I can be? What's going to help have me look the best that I can look? You know what I mean? Definitely. That's one of the first things that I would say Um, far as like mindset and I guess a little bit of fitness, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's all um, integrated, right? Like it's all fitness integrated. is a force multiplier. Things yeah. that we learn. Yeah. They apply everywhere in life. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say is um, just never Never stop growing, man. You know, never stop growing. Like, I feel like as long as we're living, we're always, I look at life as like a game. We're always in the game. And so as long as we're progressing, you know, whether it be learning something about nutrition, yeah. uh, learning something about how we can get better rest. You know, I think at this stage in our life, it's like being able to manage stress and manage our energy. You know what I mean? As we, yeah. We're in our 30s now. We're not yeah, young bucks no more. No, it's a little different. <laughs> Right. And so I know when I hit like 29, 30, I'm like, oh, you know, I can't stay up super late like I used to anymore. I still feel good throughout the rest of the day and get things done. Like I got to manage my energy and stress a lot more nowadays. And so, you know, being aware of these things. And so that way, you know, it doesn't matter if you're not dropping weight. It doesn't matter if you're not like getting stronger all the time. As long as you're getting better and you're growing in some aspect of your life, you know, because we're talking about fitness, you could say something about fitness, whether strength or uh, you dropped a little bit of weight, your clothes fitting different. Just look at these different ways of uh, improvement, you know, but you don't have to focus on all of them at the same time, you know, and I believe that's the number one thing, you know. I feel that. You always continue to uh, grow and I find that when I'm growing or building, that's when I'm most happy and most excited, you know. And so I think a lot of people like that too. Yeah. And I think that's actually a plight of high performers where they're always pushing to level up in so many different areas. Mm -hmm. And I found that if we don't 
take a second and have some gratitude Mm -hmm. and like a daily gratitude practice or even, you know, think about measuring progress backward. Having just a perspective of where you were before, it can become really easy to be dissatisfied with the progress that you are making because the perspective isn't necessarily in alignment with reality, particularly when you add in all this comparison that happens on things like social media, right? It's a lot. I mean, I got one more question for actually two more. Yeah. Number one, what is the best type of shirt for guys who are in shape? (laughs) The best type of shirt? No shirt. (laughs) That's one. (laughs) But the other one I would say is uh, the Hanley, man. Hanley or bust. I'm I'm rocking the Hanley out here in, uh, oh yeah, Houston right now. Yep. And uh, man, I've been getting choosing signals. Your boy's looking (laughs) good right now. You know, and and I like the way it kind of like fits our arms, you know, fits snug. Yeah. You got to be hitting them arms, baby. If you ain't hitting arms, missing out. But um, I feel like it's one of those universal shirts that it make any guy look good, you know, especially if you work out. Definitely. Can't beat a Henley. Yeah. Short sleeves, long sleeves. Yeah, both. Yeah, short sleeves or long sleeves for sure. He's rocking it too. Yeah. Yo. Henley. Henley squad. (laughs) Henley squad, baby. Henley squad. All right, Jay. Hey, thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Where can we find out more about you? Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Jay Jackson Official. J-A-Y Jackson Official. Awesome, gang. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Jay, make sure to go check him out. If you love this episode, make sure that you are subscribing on YouTube and dropping us a five-star review on Apple. We'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Eric here again. Before heading out, I want you to shoot me a message over on Instagram at Bach Performance and let me know what do you want to hear next on the podcast and we'll create an episode specifically for you. Until next time, my friend, remember fitness should improve your life, not consuming.